oh my Put me in coach, I'm ready to play fantasy I know I turned two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today And smash play, I'm prepared to listen The x fippin' whip got me looking way past the pitches Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first He can say I'm ready to go <laughs> I ain't tryna steal second or third Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it in the points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn 2 Hey everybody, welcome back to the Turn 2 Podcast Brought to you by rotofanatic.com I'm your host, Matt Williams. You can find me on Twitter at M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-A-M-S. Joining me as always on the show is my co-host, Mr. Brian Seymour. What's up, Brian? Not a lot, man. Uh, As usual, Wednesdays seem to be the good luck charm for me. I always seem to pull back into the cash position in a couple draft and hold. So things are looking good. I'm not trying to count my money or anything before the season ends, but we're only about, man, what? five well six weeks seven weeks out here and uh, i feel pretty well positioned so excited to excited to do the show today excited to talk some baseball yeah we have we have two topics on the show today everybody and they both deal with the home stretch of the season uh first of all we're going to talk into the actual logistics of winning your league and specifically roto when you are chasing down categories because um, at this point, I mean, you should already be paying attention to, to, you know, the categories. You should start doing that in June, but right now you have to start maybe making some hard decisions on cutting your stars and, and maybe going, getting rid of people that may not be back the rest of the year, like Shane Bieber and, and instead going for players that you need for those individual categories. Obviously that's easier said than done in weekly formats and daily formats. You have the ability to play it by matchup. But of course you pay for that by, you know, working the entire year. So you kind of earn the right to be able to do that. But in weekly leagues, you got to plan ahead. And uh, I have a series kind of going right now on NBC sports edge. I just picked it up where I talk about specific categories to chase down. I started with stolen bases, uh, which we'll get into. And that's what you want to do down the home stretch here is you want to try to make strategic moves in order to to win your league. And then later in the show, we're going to talk about just the dog days of summer in terms of just not only, um, you know, playing fantasy baseball, the people who cover fantasy baseball or cover fantasy sports or anything in life, uh, just the ability of where you have a job that requires you to do a lot of grinding and the toll that can take and maybe, you know, the pitfalls and suggestions, how to get through that, because that's been a topic um, of interest, uh, at least among our friends. Someone wrote an article. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but it, it has to do with a uh, fantasy as well. I mean, there's so many high stakes, even, um, you know, some people throw out money and they'll get bored. This is like a war of attrition. I mean, you know, you know, it's not a, it's not a yes sprint. It's a, it's a marathon as they say uh, you gotta, you gotta keep up the morale and, and just keep pushing the pedal to the metal because uh, if you give up, if you just uh, forget about fab, uh, you don't concentrate on the categories, you can't win a competitive league, you know? What I yeah. mean, what are your thoughts on that, Brian, before we jump into the stolen base? Yeah, no, I think you're I, I I struggle with this myself, honestly. Like when you get late into the season, 
depending on how many teams you have, because like my personal struggle with setting 25 draft and hold lineups, like, and you know, that might not sound like a lot of work for somebody that's maybe doing an FBC or just pure weekly fan tracks happens to do twice a week for pitchers and hitters. So you do get to double dip on the pitchers and it does get a little taxing and you're like, man, I got other stuff going on. I don't really want to go through and do this. So yeah, you have to really, it's all fun and games during the off season. I think when it's like, Hey, look at my team, I'm drafting. This is fun. But when you're setting lineups, especially in a draft and hold where you're not making fab pickups and stuff, it's like, okay. So, Hey, my, like my big thing this week was I'm going to get to put Steven Brault in my lineup finally on all these teams. <laughs> like that's what I was celebrating this week. So yeah, it's a grind. We are in the nitty gritty, but it, I, I mean, to your point and what we're going to talk about here. It is the most important time, I think, or it's a very important time to make sure that you don't start to lack. So, yeah, we're in the dog days for sure. And something important from a strategic standpoint that a lot of people don't talk about is, I mean, you're in the top 30 of your league, you're going for it, you're trying, depending on how, you know, the the spread is between players. The bottom two thirds uh, tend to trail off the bottom thirds, like pretty much taken vacation by now in your league, you know, Uh, at least some. I mean, it's a shame. No one should do that. Uh, You should put in your best foot forward because you know especially in categories um the the difference between a winner and a loser may come down to how much the last place team is trying um you know because that one category that they could have made a difference in is a big deal what i'll say instead of complaining about things out of your control which you can't control that i mean you can encourage you can have the a commissioner encourage everyone to try but when it comes down to it you can only do what you can do with your own team Look at what other teams have given up. This is just something I don't see very often people preparing for. Uh, you're looking at the categories to see which ones you can realistically make your make ground up in and make the most ground up in. And that's where you want to concentrate your efforts without hindering yourself in other categories. Look at what other teams have stopped trying. And, you know, that you could change your strategy based on that. Like, oh, look at this guy as three guys on the IL and see what, you know, if they're all stolen base guys or all power guys or, 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 you know, their closer or something like that may show you, all right, this team obviously is not paying attention. <laughs> Maybe I can pass them. It, it may seem like a weird thing to do because, uh, but it's, it's all part of the game, whether you like it or not. So it's just one of those other things where, you know, strategies everywhere right now, you want to pick up points wherever you can get them. It's a really good point. You're right. Like teams that are kind of giving up a little bit, see where you might be able to make headway. Like an example, and um, I've noticed this in a couple of my leagues right now. Uh, There's one the other day I was looking at where I'm in first place in stolen bases, which actually I, I, I consider to be unfortunate almost because I, I'm never trying to necessarily win steals. The way I draft is usually just like, get me in that 75 percentile or so with steals. And I'm really looking for like other offensive production. So I'm looking at that. And I'm like, wow. And I think it's, I think I have Falefa on that team and Dylan Moore, you know, as uh, putrid as his season otherwise really is. <laughs> but I'm looking at that and I'm like, okay, I'm up by like eight, eight or nine steals in first place. So I'm pulling Dylan Moore out of my lineup and stuff. We still have a ways to go. I don't want to necessarily fall a place in stolen bases, but that's where I'm like, I'm not going to make an effort to put guys like that into my lineup right now. I I can afford to lose some edge on my stolen bases here. So it's just little decisions like that too. Yeah. Being the first is not necessarily one you want to be. Uh, I mean, Mm -hmm. my TGFBI team this year has has been terrible and I mean, not making excuses. I I have had a lot a lot of injuries, but I am first uh, in stolen bases. And I think I'm like, I think I'm, I think I'm first, like 
maybe overall <laughs> in the entire in the entire TGFBI and stolen bases. My team oh, sucks. Wow. My team, my team is the is just the <laughs> worst, but I think I'm actually number one overall in stolen bases. So there's yeah. a correlation there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know it it, it is what it is. Uh, we're gonna get into right now stolen bases. If you are looking at your roto team right now and you need stolen bases, where are you gonna get them from? So obviously highly depends on the format in which you are playing and which the league depth you are playing in 10 team leagues. This there, you have an embarrassment of riches. Um, and we're not going to really get into that right now because you have so many players available at your disposal. It really doesn't really, um, that information doesn't help the majority of players. We're going to talk 12 to 15 teams here in the article. If you want to check it out on NBC sports edge, um, it's just called need for speed chasing stolen bases. I go a different route rather than just the obvious which you can do of just sorting by who steals the most bases and uh, in, in seeing, um, you know, either by date or by entire season and, and seeing who's available, you can simply do that. But it's not going to, you know, everyone knows that it's not necessarily going to get you anywhere. Um, you know, Starling Marte is by far the best stolen base option uh, available in baseball, right? In baseball right now, he's, he's owned everywhere, rostered everywhere. Um, you're not going to get a lot of other options that are, that are again, obvious. So, what I wanted to do was go team by team and try to take a look at what catchers are allowing the most stolen bases against what starting pitchers are allowing the most stolen bases against them. And then most importantly for like the overall arc of the article was looking at which teams as a whole are allowing the most stolen bases per game. Obviously this isn't an exact science because there's a lot of things that go into that. Like, they may have faced faster players, players that have stolen more bases. Um, the, you know, the different catchers at different times, different pitchers at different times. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into this, but if you want to do a, um, a general study, what I did was um, indexed every team by stolen bases um, allowed per game. And then I went team by team and pulled their schedules for the rest of the year and tried to see how many, what I call premium matchups they have down the stretch. And that is just to see how many games they are playing against these teams that are allowing a ton of stolen bases this season. Um, again, inexact science, but I think it's a, it's, it's one way to go about it. So I pulled um, some of the top teams and, and just went about, you know, finding the teams that are the players that are um, less rostered and who could give you an edge in stolen bases down the road. Maybe these aren't people that you would be an upgrade on your team. Um, and you have to judge, you know, if you can learn to sacrifice their, you know, if their shortcomings are something that you can tolerate in your roto standings. But uh, before we actually get into the actual players, Brian, what do you think of the actual process here of by which I tried to whittle this down? Because there's a lot of different ways about going about categories. This is just one way I decided to do it. So here's the thing, as you stated, there's going to be noise in anything trying to figure this out it's just like how do we turn it down the most i think is really all you can hope for i think this is the best way to do it i can't come up with a better one i mean this is a lot of data and a lot is going to go into you know taking a look at individual teams how they're giving up stolen bases again you've got like the catcher performance and stuff like that the pitchers pick off moves and everything um and just whether they even really give a shit about guys running on them. I mean, there's a lot of different things that go into it. So I think that, uh, I think this is definitely helpful. And I think it's good to focus, as you said, yeah, okay, whatever. You can go to the, the free agents and just sort by, okay, who's got the most steals? I mean, that's what everybody does. This, I think, gives you a little bit of a bigger edge because you're, we're going to take a look at like who has the actual quote unquote best matchups the rest of the way. 
against these, you know, most egregious stolen base allowers, if you will, as far as teams go. So, no, I, I like methodology. Again, you're going to have noise in any way that you try to do this, but I think doing it this way probably is going to get you the biggest edge. Yeah. Um, and the first team that I highlighted this by team and then broke down what would probably be available um, to your 12, your standard 12 to 15 team uh, player in a fantasy league. The number one team is the St. Louis Cardinals. The rest of the way, again, we're like a third of the way here into August. Uh, they're going to play until, you know, the first week of, um, you know, one series into October. So basically the end of September. St. Louis Cardinals, by my index, are going to be facing a league leading 33 uh, premium matchups, which the next uh, the next team is 27. So, I mean, that's a pretty big advantage, I would say. I mean, 33 of your remaining games and six more in the next best team, the Cardinals have lined up against um, a decent amount here. So going into who is available, that's, that is, uh, again, uh, that, that is where the difficulty comes in. Uh, Tommy Edmond, I mentioned, as probably your best bet as, as far as players that are likely rostered. Um, I'd said I wasn't going to talk about 10 teams. He is available in some 10. I mean, he was available in some 12s that I saw on Yahoo, which, which shocked me, but I assume that's like dead leagues or something, but I I'd mentioned him for the sake of it, but um, you know, just so I didn't say, I didn't say it. Tommy Edmond is an obvious one that you're going to want to get in there. Um, The ones that were more widely available were Tyler O'Neill, which again, in competitive leagues, I know we have both competitive and more casual listeners here. Um, Tyler O'Neill is someone that is, is more rostered, um, in competitive leagues, but if he is available, um, he just came back from being on the injured list today, power and speed guy, absolutely someone you want to, I think, pick up in your lineup. And then the, the least owned of everyone, the most widely available is Harrison Bader, who is obviously always on and off the injured list, uh, since the beginning of July, he's hitting 312 with five home runs and four stolen bases. So, um, and, you know, it's not a monster. And by the way, there's no monsters on this list because this year in, in stolen bases, there's really no monsters in stolen bases. If you actually want to go in and sort by stolen bases, uh, there's not that many like options. So actually cherry picking and, you know, trying to paper cut your way uh, could be a big deal in, in your fantasy league. So anyway, I think Harrison Bader, he's available in 69% of Yahoo leagues and he ranks as the nice. 17th fastest player in baseball, according to StatCast. Uh, for feet per second. So those are my guys for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, I am a self-admitted Harrison Bader stan. I love him. Um, As we've discussed on this show before, I am a Cardinals fan. Uh, Not a huge fan of how things have gone the last few years, really. But um, I love Harrison Bader, the blonde locks. Uh, The dude is jacked. He's smaller dude, but he's jacked. Uh, and he's got power and speed now. He's a much better hitter, I think. And I think he really worked on that this year. I absolutely love Harrison Bader. The injuries are obviously a concern. But I, I, I have a question for you about him. Tyler O'Neill is an intriguing guy, too. I mean, he does it all other than make tons of contact necessarily. But with Bader, I want to ask you, I mean, this has been a pretty good display this year despite the injuries, which have been toxic. I mean, he was, he's been on the IL a lot. What do you think the consensus is going to be for a guy like him in deeper leagues next year? I mean, he's looked like it may be a power and definitely speed combo. He's going to play if he's healthy because he's one of the best defensive outfielders in the game. As a side note, what do you think about his value or draft spot going into next year? I I don't know how people value him because the injury, you know, injuries, it seems to be such a thing people are afraid of, but you are correct. 
he's been fantastic. Everyone heard what I said since the beginning of July, but overall, especially in on-base percentage leagues, um, Harrison Bader mm-hmm. is uh, very underrated. So uh, we'll, we'll have to see as far as like comps for this season, maybe I could see him going behind where like Framil Reyes is. I don't know if his hype will get that high. I don't know if you think that's a little too egregious. I don't know wh- where that is. Like, um, I don't know, around like one, what is that? Like around like 130, 140, something around there. I, I think yeah. that I, I just, I don't know. I think it'll be something where you could probably get him at a pretty good discount in early drafts. And if he shows out as healthy in spring training, I would say he's someone like um, Victor Robles who could potentially see like a massive, mm. a massive bump depending on what the Cardinals are want to do, which I've heard in the past, haven't they been rumored to try to trade him as well? So, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of moving parts there. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question <laughs> because I'm dancing all over the place of uncertainty, but um, I think, I think that just shows that it's going to be volatile. I mean, I think he'll, if you look at his like chart next year, like his ADP will be obviously one number, but if you look at the min and the max, I think he'll go all over the place. Like um, if, if anyone, I'm, you I'm drafted, if you draft this year, if anyone remembers roughly where Nick Solak was going, I think maybe yes. that's a spot I would expect Harrison Bader to be going, which I would think there would be a fantastic space to get him. I think if he approaches much earlier than that, then um, you know the, the injury risk will just have to be something you decide whether you want or not. But I would say as a starting point, that's where he goes. Yeah, no, I'm with you. That's actually funny enough. That's one of the names I was thinking of, like right in that kind of questionable range. Um, I'm excited to see where he goes. I'm a huge fan of him. So, but I, I, I do like some of these guys on the Cardinals for down the stretch, if they are available. I mean, you know, Mike Schilt has shown they're, they're not like an insane running team or anything, but I mm-hmm. think they're the a kind of team that they're going to optimize their stolen base opportunities. So when they're there, they're going to go for it. And as you've presented here, Matt, they have a lot of good matchups the rest of the way. So I definitely like these guys. Yeah. There's one thing I noted that if you want to chase these down, the, the, like you just said, the Cardinals do not run a ton. They've actually mm-hmm. only had five players record a stolen base in August and no one has more than one. <laughs> so uh, that is something to keep in mind. Um, the second team, again, this is being listed by premium matchups, not by best options, maybe for stolen bases is the San Francisco Giants who have themselves a healthy lead all of a sudden of four games in the National League West. We're recording this on Wednesday. Uh, They see 27 premium matchups, and that's mostly because the National League West shows up on this list. I mean, I can – I'll recite real quick. These are the top teams that have allowed stolen bases, so I guess the bottom teams. Um, over 0.6 per game, uh, the Dodgers at 0.75, White Sox 0.67, Red Sox 0.61, Mariners 0.60. And then uh, between 0.5 and 0.6, you got the Padres, Brewers, Angels, Reds, Rays. And then between point, uh, 0.5 and like 0.45, you get the Cubs, Twins, Nationals, Diamondbacks, Pirates, Braves, Blue Jays, and Yankees. Again, I don't expect you to memorize all that. <laughs> uh, you know, I'll put the link of the article in the uh, show notes, you can go there and you can check out the entire thing. But uh, long story short, the um, the National League West is near the very top, both the Padres and Dodgers and the Giants get to face them uh, quite a bit. The big problem with the Giants is obviously, especially now that they've made like the Bryan acquisition and everything, they are platooning like crazy. Players like Wilmer Flores look like they're now short side platoon guys. There's players in fantasy that were valuable, all of a sudden not valuable. Uh, the number one option for stolen bases on the team that is available in any leagues is Brandon Crawford. 
but he's only available in 20% of Yahoo leagues. Therefore he's owned in probably the vast majority of anyone in some kind of competitive home league uh, or, uh, you know, any kind of actual, like, you know, high stakes, like Brandon Crawford is rostered. Um, But if you do have him, I want to mention him here. The same with Tommy Edmond before that. Not only do you want to make sure he's rostered, but you well, if you're looking for stolen bases, you want to make sure that he's in your lineup and you want to maybe tie break him over people. You know, he's stealing some bases, but I'm just here to tell you the rest of the year, he's got a nice schedule for them. So try to make sure he's in your lineup. The best options for players outside of that are people that are getting platooned, um, namely Austin Slater and Steven Duggar or Duggar. I don't actually know how to say his name, uh, but it's like one Duggar. of the two. Um, perfect for daily formats, like I said, because you can judge when they're playing and when they're not problematic for weekly leagues they're definitely the best options here and they said they have a very favorable schedule down the break so this would be maybe if you're truly desperate in 15 team leagues um because i don't know because this is this is where we say that you have to make tough decisions if you are really can make up room in stolen bases and you feel that that's in your best interest and you have room to fall back and others without it hurting you that is where you can maybe afford to take a, um, a spot here. Like if you have an open roster spot, you look at uh, the righty lefties. You think that Slater or, or Duggar is going to play a lot that week. Maybe you take a shot there and put them in there because it doesn't matter if you have a better player on the bench, if they're offering statistics that do not help you. Um, so these are two players in Slater and Duggar. It's, it's going to be difficult in weekly leagues. You're going to have to do a little bit of work, check out the schedule, but um, they have a, they have fantastic matchups coming down the stretch. And uh, they're, they're players you should at least keep in mind. Well, looking here, I want to apologize to the Degar family. It's actually Degar. Oh, Degar. I've looked. No, I'm just messing with you. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, I got to say, I, I, I've never heard anyone say that. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Duggar. Uh, no, nah, I, I don't. It's going to be very tough to work in these giants. I don't really see a way of doing it. I love this club. Who doesn't? I mean, they're preventing the Dodgers from being in first place. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, this is uh, what a fun team. But uh, yeah, I there, there's not really a lot here I think we could do. Um, yeah, if you got Crawford, you got Crawford. But other than that, I'm not interested in starting. Like you mentioned, I mean, if, you, if you're in the daily league, you can play Slater and Degar, Duggar. But, you know, other than that, I don't I don't see rostering these guys at all. Uh, it's going to be tough. Yeah, certainly want to look at the NL West, it looks like, as far as scouting these guys, but not a lot of opportunity, it looks like, with the Giants, even though they're in. There's, the, there's some here. players I, I listed at the end of this that their teams didn't make it onto the list of, um, you know, the premium matchups, but I wanted to mention them just in case. Uh, Rafael Ortega, Adam Engel on the White Sox, Greg Allen of the Yankees, Miguel Rojas of the Marlins, Lorenzo Cain. Um, Ahmed Rosario, Andre Jimenez, Anthony Alford, Jaron Duran, which he may be sent down at some point too, if Kyle Schwarber ever comes back. Um, But the thing is in deeper leagues, most of them could be rostered. Many of them, most of them, maybe all of them are rostered. So I did want to give people an available option where if you are desperate and need to chase down a category, you need any and all options on the waiver wire. And instead of starting Hunter Renfro, um, who is a much better player uh, and home runs aren't going to do anything for you. Maybe you're, you know, near the top in home runs. Um, 
sitting him for Austin Slater, who may have a favorable platoon week, may actually be in your favor. And that's the way Roto is down the stretch. That is more of a that, that is a truly desperation way to go. But I just want people, um, maybe not this exact example, but the mindset you have to have. Of, don't care about what other people think. Do the math and start the player that's going to give you the results you want. Because just because someone overall has a better fantasy week, it may mean nothing for your team. You know, out of those names you just mentioned at the bottom, I just want to shout some love to Miguel Rojas. I absolutely love him, and I have him on a lot of my draft and hold teams. Mm-hmm. He he is going to run a little bit. He's got a little bit of pop. And the, the the most important thing, though, when you need a guy in a pinch or, you know, every now and then you're going to sub him in, he does not hurt you in any way. He's always going to give you solid contact and a solid batting average. He plays every day. I just love Miguel Rojas. I mean, he's just so safe. Now, yeah, he may not light the world on fire and steal you three bags a week or something like that, but I'm never afraid to put him into my lineup, so I love his name being in there. Uh, The next team up is going to be a scary one for people, but it actually does have a player that I would very much be uh, you know, happy with rostering. And this is the Pittsburgh Pirates, who come in third with 24 premium matchups down the stretch. Um, Pittsburgh does not steal a lot. Uh, because they don't get on base a lot uh, for a lot of things. I mean, they rank 26 in teams and stolen bases, but I think the number one guy on the team available in 96% of Yahoo leagues is Gregory Polanco, who has 11 home runs and 13 stolen bases this year. He has swiped six bags in the last 30 games. He has got to be one of the best options that we're going to be talking about today as far as available with the ability to steal bases, uh, who has a favorable schedule. Um, the batting average is going to be brutal. So this is someone that you really need to be taking a look at to see if you can take the hit. But again, by now, batting average is something that starts to solidify. It's harder and harder to move. So that's that's this category that you can honestly afford to take a hit on unless you're like really close, which, you know, a lot of leagues you can be. But um, Gregory Polanco, we know what he can do when healthy. And he's going to give you a little bit of pop too. So again, pop and speed, six stolen bases over the last 30 games. You can't really get that much production out of someone with a favorable schedule that's that widely available. So Gregory Polanco, for me, as flawed of a hitter as he is, is I think one of the best options you can be looking to pick up. This is one of those things where you have to remember that you're playing a game and don't worry about the names or anything like that sometimes. Like you're you're trying to win a game. If you are lacking in stolen bases and, you know, the thing is here, if you're lacking in steals, and this is something that used to happen to me all the time, I would crush the other offensive categories. Like I'd be great in the other four because I would just ignore steals because it's one stat and it doesn't necessarily correlate to anything other than, I guess, runs a little bit. But yeah, this is where if you're in that top 80th percentile or so in your other four categories, absolutely just punt it, go get Polanco and bench whoever you need to bench. Um, it, it, you know, you got to hold your nose a little bit when you start a guy like that, like you said, the type of hitter he is, but again, you got to remember I'm winning a game here. I don't care who I have to put in my lineup. I want to win. So I like it. Uh, next up is the, the beloved Houston Astros America's team. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. So, um, they have 22 premium matchups down the stretch and mostly because of the, uh, the American league West, they see themselves a whole bunch of the angels and Mariners. Um, so you want to make sure you go out and acquire Miles Straw if if the if Houston hadn't traded him to the Cleveland Indians. Uh, so that leaves a big giant hole on the team, and the only person that really steals bases on a regular basis for them recently is Kyle Tucker, who's obviously rostered in every single league. Um, not that you should ever be sitting him, 
but there is an interesting player that has been hitting at the very top of the lineup. Everyone's favorite accountant. If you're not aware of his NFBC picture, Chaz McCormick, who is better known for his power. Um, but he, again, he's been batting at the top of the lineup in recent days. They are getting healthier. They're going to be bringing some players back, but again, with injuries like Michael Brantley, Miles straw being gone. Um, there's some conspiracy theories out there that think that they pulled like a money ball on uh, Dusty Baker and they traded Miles Straw just so Chaz McCormick would play more, <laughs> which I love to see. Um, but again, uh, this is, I'm going to bring up the real, the truth here, which is going to make everyone think that I'm stupid and have to put a dunce camp on. He's got three stolen bases for the entire year, <laughs> but um, he has, he has uh, been running a little bit in recently. And again, that could be due to the fact that he's leading off. He hasn't been really doing that before, but he's batting 294 of the last 30 games. And he is definitely someone I think who could swipe some bags going down. So again, I, the beholder, it depends on what you're looking for. If you are just looking to pick up a few stolen bases, but cannot afford to sell out for other um, categories. I think Chaz McCormick is, is perfect, especially if you're like maybe trying to tie break people on the waiver wire again, 294 of the last 30 games, he hits home runs and he does have speed to steal a few bags. So if you could afford, if you just want to paper cut this thing, like I said, and you want to pick up like a stolen base here or there while still charging some extra, maybe you're, maybe you are ahead in stolen bases um, uh, of a couple people and you're just trying to like tread water and maybe just maybe um, boost your lineup with just a couple of extra. I think Chaz McCormick is a perfectly good example. If he's going to bat towards the top of the, uh, the lineup and he may not hurt you in other areas. So again, there's a time and a place for each of these players. I mentioned before Polanco is good. If you're trying to make up some ground, I think Chaz McCormick is good. If you're just trying to like tread water or um, maybe stay afloat. I think he's, he's a, a nice option with a favorable schedule. So I'll get to McCormick in a minute, but you mentioned the, the money ball move. So Philip Seymour Hoffman was Art Howe. Who plays Dusty Baker in an Astros Moneyball movie? That's 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 my question for Dan, you. I mean, I don't want to go e easy answer as Danny Glover, but because I I've already seen him ah, as a okay. manager. That <laughs> and is easy. I didn't even that didn't even cross my mind. And that's a way better answer than mine. That's very good. Okay. What's yours? I was going to say Denzel Washington, but he may be a bit young. But I could definitely see him pulling it off. Can you see Denzel play him? Denzel can probably play anybody, but I'm thinking That's Danny true. Glover, like the first third of angels in the outfields. He's like, like grumpy. Like that looks like a prison yes. photo. I think he can kind yes. of pull it off, but he can also smile and have like the straw in his mouth. I think he can, I think he'd be good. <laughs> I love it. That, that's better than mine, but yeah. Um, yeah. It's interesting with McCormick. It, it, it's the same problem we talked about earlier. He probably isn't going to run that much, but Again, if you only get a couple here down the stretch, that could be as good as one or two roto points, which is the difference between you maybe cashing or not, maybe between you winning or not. So, yeah. again, this is kind of predicated upon are you doing well on the other offensive statistics? If you are, put the accountant in your lineup. That's what I think. And again, I, I know I just we just talked, I just mentioned this, but there's a big difference between needing to make up a lot of ground or just needing to stay afloat. Sometimes, again, putting those extra couple in your lineup um, combined with a couple of extra from someone else will get you there. So um, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, McCormick won't hurt you in the rest of the things. Texas Rangers. This is desperation time if you're going with the Texas Rangers, but they do have 22 premium matchups tied with the Houston Astros. Uh, Brock Holt. Other mm -hmm. than Isaiah Kiner Faleva who is um, the guy who's available, not widely available, but available, who would probably be your best bet, even though he's been crashing and burning in other categories. Other than that, Brock Holt is actually your leading candidate for stolen bases on the Texas Rangers. Uh, he's batting 128 over the last 15 contests. I don't know if you've turned off the podcast yet. 
Uh, but uh, anyway, he's stolen three bags um, over the last 15 games as part of a platoon with Charlie Culberson, who's also stolen a couple of bags. So um, Brock Holt, again, three bags in 15 games as uh, someone in a platoon isn't that bad. And he is the strong side of the platoon. So again, he's someone that maybe you can line up, see if there's a, a lot of um, if the, the, the schedule that week favors Brock Holt, you can slide him in there if you really need some stolen bases uh, because, you know, he also plays a few different positions. Maybe you can slide him in there for maybe someone who's injured or, you know, if you don't have another option, like, you know, if, if you're, if you're set on home runs uh, and RBIs, Jonathan scope's not going to really move the needle for you um, in, in, uh, in stolen bases, maybe Brock Holt is a guy you can look for there again, desperation time. Um, 27 year old Eli white is actually the fastest player on the entire team though, at 30.5 feet per second, he is on the injured list with a right elbow strain. But when he comes back, he is also someone that you could potentially look for to steal some bases down the stretch. I think Eli white's the most intriguing name there. Do we know like timetable wise when he's due to come back? And I, I think he, I think, uh, maybe next, next week or two. And well, I was going to look at roster reason. Was he playing a lot before he went down? I'm not real sure what the situation was there. I believe so. Yeah, I figured I, I thought so too. So, yeah, I think that's the most intriguing name to target uh, whenever he is due back. I mean, looking at their lineup, of course, it's wow, real bad uh, from maybe about five through nine. So I think, uh, yeah, I think Eli White would be a good guy to target there for sure. If you're going to get involved with the Rangers the rest of the way. Yeah. <laughs> again, everyone, this, you know, it, there's, again, I keep saying time and a place. This all very much depends on your weekly situation, how desperate you are. Um, again, again, you say three, let's just say that you are, you really, really needed stolen bases and you picked up, um, you know, you picked up Brock Cole and he gave you, he gave you three stolen bases in two weeks. That would be like a huge win for some people. So try yes. not to dismiss the player. Um, if he happens to fit into your lineup and you don't have a better option for stolen bases and you can afford the hit and like batting average, it's, it's nothing, not something you should dismiss out of hand. Um, you know, get creative if you're trying to chase uh, down stolen bases, but again, it depends on how you're doing in other categories. Oakland athletics are next. Uh, there's three teams with 19 premium matchups down the stretch. So the first one, obviously Starling Marte is, is a star. I don't know why you'd ever sit him, but he's the best stolen base option in baseball right now. He's obviously in your lineup. Um, Elvis Andrus obviously used to be a huge stolen base threat. He's someone you can always consider. Josh Harrison just acquired by the Nationals. I think he's a nice deep league target. He's available in 69% of leagues. And Mark Canna, he's known as an on-base machine. He starts at the very top of the lineup, but he is not devoid of, 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 of total speed. He does steal bases on occasion, and he is someone where he is good enough um, across the board where if you're trying to tie-break players in and out of your lineup and you need speed, um, Mark Canna is someone that you should, again, uh, be, be coin-flipping in your lineup. He's someone you want in there down the stretch. I'm a bit stunned at the availability of Mark Canna in some of those Yahoo leagues. That's pretty insane. Maybe that's just my kind of deeper league background, but I absolutely love that guy leading off. Just does it all. We've talked about him before. Josh Harrison's really intriguing. I mean, he's another one of those guys where kind of a one trick pony at this point, probably isn't going to kill you as far as like the, the plate skills or anything like that. But I, I'm definitely intrigued by Harrison and another good name to add to this list that we are, where if you're dominating in those other care uh, categories, I would, I, I'd put Harrison in my lineup and he's going to be hitting almost in the middle of the order. So I, I like that a lot. 
I should say, I should, I don't know if I misspoke earlier. 69% of leagues was Harris and Canna only available in 22% of leagues. Oh, my bad. Yeah. My bad. I read it wrong. Yeah. Well, again, he should be, he should be rostered in all. And if you do roster him, you absolutely should be starting. Yeah, totally. I agree with that. Yep. Uh, next team tied in 19 is the Baltimore Orioles, which here's my favorite. I know before I said, I think the best one was uh, Gregory Polanco. We're going to talk about Jorge Mateo. Former Yankees super prospect went to the Padres, didn't get any run. Now he's on the Orioles after being DFA'd and picked up on waivers by Baltimore. Former top 100 prospect has been referred to by multiple players as the fastest player, fastest man on the planet. He does have the, he still is only 26 years old. He has the fastest sprint speed in all of baseball, faster than Trey Turner, faster than Tim LaCastro. Um, since being traded to the Orioles, when this was written, he was three for 11 with a couple of extra base hits and a couple of stolen bases in that middle infield. They don't have a lot going on in Baltimore. So there is no reason not to give him a run down the stretch. So if you need stolen bases, if you're desperate for stolen bases, if you can make headway, Jorge Mateo probably was picked up in fab this past week. <laughs> um, but if he's right. not, if you're in a, if you're in a different format, um, where maybe people aren't paying attention as much. If you're in a 12-team league, 10-team league, um, it doesn't matter the size. If you are desperate for stolen bases, I don't think there's anyone more heavily available than Jorge Mateo that could help you make up the most ground. He's not like Aldalberto Mondesi in terms of the, uh, the spark plug he can be, but the difference maker in stolen bases, uh, he has that kind of upside, in my opinion, if he's going to play every day. Um, so I don't want to give everyone unrealistic expectations. I'm just trying to jolt you forward saying if he's available and you need stolen bases, Jorge Mateo is your guy. You may have to cut him if they bench him, like if he goes like 0 for 12 over three games. But if he continues to be even adequate at the bat um, and they let him play every day, this guy is a difference maker for stolen bases. This is a gamble. This is a calculated gamble that you have to decide whether your team is a team that should make that gamble, basically, because, um, you know, he, yeah, he's he, all you're, he getting, could yeah, still, you're only getting stolen base. That's all you're getting. Ex- exactly. Yeah. And at the rate that he may play, it may be just a handful the rest of the way. But as you stated, uh, if they decide, you know, it's not a great middle infield situation, if they just decide to plug him in and he randomly kind of gets hot. You could be looking at double that, and that 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 is a league winner. I mean, that could literally make that much of a difference. It could go the other way. He could hit one fifty and uh, not do anything. He's really not offering you very much else. There's not a lot of safety anywhere else. But it's a calculated gamble, and if you're in a good enough position where you can make it, I, yeah, I would absolutely go after him. And the uh, the last team we're going to talk about in full is the Detroit Tigers, where again one of the third team tied for th- nineteen premium matchups. The guys that really um, off the top of my head that are are rostered in most leagues, but available in some 12 teams are Robbie Grossman and Akil Badu. Um, you know, they're, they're people that you want to try to slide into your lineup. They can still bases and they are players that if you're going to be coin flipping should absolutely be in there for you for as far as players that are widely available. Derek Hill, which I think to the casual baseball fan, not many people actually know who he is. Um, so 25 year old playing for Detroit. He is in the double leadoff position, which I love. By that, I mean he's hitting ninth, which for fantasy usually sucks, but not for stealing bases because you're not in the National League hitting in front of a pitcher and you're in front of the rest of the lineup um, at the top of the lineup, which is good for runs scored. As far as batting at the bottom, it's better than hitting seventh or eighth. Ninth is good. So it's a decent position to steal some bases out of. Um since uh, being playing every day in Detroit, and again, he's playing every day batting ninth. He has six stolen bases over 73 at bats. He's hitting 321 
with four stolen bases in the minor leagues before that. Um, fastest player on the on the uh, the Tigers at twenty nine point nine feet per second, and I think that as far as cheap speed, he is someone I'd be very interested in. He's not the guy who can be the difference maker, like Mateo can be, but he is someone that I think overall has a better chance to just be an overall better player, who mm-hmm. has actually been known for his speed somewhat in the minor leagues. At least that's his thing he's most known for. He's not a real burner, but he is he is fast. So yeah, Derek Hill. Uh, look it up. I guarantee you he's probably available in your league. Yeah, in uh, 2018 and 2019 in the minors between two levels, he stole about nearly 60 bases between them. So, um, yeah, I and the other thing here is, too, like you said, he's not going to kill you as much as Mateo would with, like, the plate skills. Now, I do think he's not going to hold up doing what he's doing right now necessarily. I yeah. think maybe – you know, hitting 250 with a 350 OBP. I don't think that continues. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be hitting ninth. But uh, yeah, it's. I, I think there's some more safety here, and it looks like they're willing to play him. So I agree with you. Yeah, this is a really good opportunity in Derek Hill. I'm a fan. And that really does it for uh, at least the specific teams that I got into. Um, the Again, the other options I highlighted earlier, Rafael Ortega, Adam Engel. Adam Engel is actually very good if he's going to be playing. I mean, it's very tough. Greg Allen, if he's going to be playing on the Yankees, Miguel Rojas, perfect. Lorenzo Cain, you don't know with his injury history if they're going to let him run, but he's stolen a couple of bases recently. He's playing for the Brewers, albeit at the bottom of the lineup. He's someone that if he's available, because a lot of people have moved on, he's someone you should look at. Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez on the Indians. Anthony Alford, you know, I mentioned earlier on the Pirates. He's, he hasn't really stolen many bases, but he does have speed, we know. Edward Olivares is actually very fast. <laughs> If the Royals would ever decide to allow him to play, he's been optioned back to the minors. And then Jaron Duran, he hasn't showed off the wheels in the major leagues as of yet, really, but uh, he is quite fast. And if you look at his minor league numbers, you'll see what his capabilities are. What's your take on the Oliveras thing? Like, what is going on there? I think that major league baseball teams uh, should be having their ability to move players up and down like this taken away from them. Because um, there's no way that a player like this should spend half of their season on a bus or a or a plane. Right. It's it's just ridiculous. How can you expect someone, especially a prospect, to grow if they're constantly being you know kind of jerked around like this? It's it's so silly. At least keep him in a place. Yeah, just a, let, play somewhere. Like, at least let the, there be a constant somewhere, right? I mean, plus the Royals, I mean, they're not going anywhere. Why not just play them? I don't know. Absolutely. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, Rob Silver, yeah. he, he's not a huge fan of Edward Olivares. He literally, like, makes a huge point to tell everyone how, how average he is. Uh, but, I mean, he has upside. We know what it is. I mean, you can believe it or not, but the, the Royals of all teams, especially with, like, you know, Ben Benintendi getting injured and stuff, I mean, and you traded Jorge Soler. Put him out there. See what you have. I mean, players come out of nowhere. We know he has raw tools to be able to produce. So, yeah, absolutely. Put him in the outfield. See what he can do. This is stupid. I'm going to take the opportunity to blame Mike Matheny. That's usually what I do in instances where he's involved. <laughs> so, we'll just put it on Mike Matheny. All right. Well, that wraps up the starting, uh, the, uh, what do you call it? The, the stolen base portion of the show. Right now, are we jumping into uh, the, the deep think portion of the show, whatever you want to call it? Um, <laughs> there's something here. It's, it's, it's getting into... Again, the dog days of summer. And for anyone playing, for anyone covering the sport, it is daunting. Um, I can tell you just from personal experience, it's it does get difficult to continue to find things to talk about. 
um, you know, in, 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 especially in a world that maybe is oversaturated with information at certain points. But I love baseball, which is obviously something that keeps me going. I will talk about baseball for free. So it's, you know, if it doesn't feel like a job, then it's not going to be. But there's plenty of people that do this for free. There's plenty of people that do this um, and get paid that go on like seven days a week. And um, it, it doesn't matter if you're like a veteran um, to uh, either playing the sport or new or you're a veteran in covering the sport or newer to it. The getting burned out is something that absolutely can happen. The best thing when you ever get burned out of a situation is just to, you know, take a step back, um, you know, smell the roses, and then you'll probably regain your energy and come back. But some don't have the luxury of doing that, especially if like you're in this um, for the long haul. The reason I bring this up is, um, I guess, friend of the podcast, Mike Curlin, you know him, he's over at um, the Bases Loaded podcast. Uh, he does some work over at Roto Baller as well. He kind of put out, and I know Vlad Sedler, he also put out something similar to this um, a couple of months ago about, you know, that um, putting out work constantly and um, maybe judging yourself, comparing yourself to others, whether or not you're doing enough, uh, whether or not what you're doing is good enough. And again, this is something that I think does, doesn't just stand for fantasy, it's just life in general, comparing yourself to others and then getting down on yourself, wondering if what are you doing is worth it, if anyone's noticing what you're doing. Um, I put out from time to time on Twitter, I try to just as for the benefit of everyone, I just said, if you enjoy someone's work, it doesn't matter what it is. I mean, it's, I'm in the fantasy industry, so it, you know, I, I gear it towards that. But if you enjoy someone's work, if you read an article, if you hear some music and anything really, and you are available and you have the access to con to communicate with them, let them know that you really enjoyed it. Because I think this is something that um, a lot of people don't realize is, you know, you put everyone, you, you put your work out there and it doesn't matter if you, you know, if it's, if it's writing or if it's art or if it's music, if it's anything at all, um, feedback positive or not is important. People want to know how they can improve. People want to know that someone is listening. Someone, you know, is acknowledging it. So um, always tell them, let them know. Cause you can really make it, make their day. And a lot of people struggle, um, you know, in life going through something, just wondering, you know, if, if their, uh, if their work is being heard. And again, this is, this is like a personal plea for everyone. Cause sometimes I'll put this out there and then for the rest of the day, I'll get people DMing me. Oh man, I love your work. And I, I appreciate it. I really do. Thank you everybody. But this is not that, I mean, this is a thing that anyone who has ever done any kind of artistic or creative work will go through. Um, and, uh, this is just something that has, has been in there. Someone, um, newer to the industry, but a very good Shelly. She's over a pitcher list. She put out something. She was going to be stepping away from fantasy baseball as well, because it's just a lot of work. And she had cited not being uh, able to keep up. Like she felt the pressure to put out work seven days a week because that's what some other people do. And she thought that maybe the quality of her work had suffered. And that's a thing to do, you know, of, of, of comparing yourself to other people. And that is just something that is, is difficult and weighs on people. So we just want to talk about that for a little bit. I've monopolized the microphone enough. I know, Brian, you have a lot of uh, thoughts on this as well. But um, just what are your thoughts in general? Because a lot of people, this is something people struggle with. And um, we just want you know everyone to know that a lot of people go through the similar thing. Uh, you can always reach out to me if anyone, if everyone wants to talk about this. But just Brian, what are your thoughts on this general topic? I read what Shelly said too, and I thought it was interesting. And I, I agree with her assessment that like, you know, 
we're in an age right now, especially with Twitter, that like I'm growing to hate the word content. And I'm guilty of saying it myself because it inherently almost makes it sound like, okay, let's just push some shit out here. You know what I mean? And that's never what anybody wants, you know? And I think that happens where it's it turns into this volume game where it's just like, promoting 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 and it's like well do i really feel like what i'm doing is any good like at some point there's like some diminishing returns so i definitely get where she's coming from and mike curland as well you know i think was kind of echoing similar things if you you get to a point where it's like i don't know if i am i really offering anything of value here am i just putting out a product you know so i definitely get that the sentiments from vlad as well you know i I get where people are coming from the bigger thing that I took away from Mike Curlin's article, I guess you'd say that he wrote, is um, the struggle. And this isn't even necessarily just in like the fantasy baseball or the fantasy football or even just the fantasy anything industry. It's in any industry, I think. Is he talked a lot about that barometer and measuring stick of like, oh, you know, the, the names that he used in his article was like, I need to live up to Eno Saris or Michael Simeone or Nick and Alex from Pitcher List, Justin Mason, DVR, blah, blah, blah. All these guys. And it's like, is that really what it's all about? You know, is that really what it is about for you? Because I know for me, like when I started my podcast, which was at first, you know, uh, best ball related, and then we changed it to Roto Wager and kind of took a I did my niche and I certainly wasn't trying to imitate anybody at all because, you know, you and I have talked, Matt, like you're more of an analyst. I don't know anything about any of that stuff and I'm not going to pretend to. I'm much more in like the game theory way of looking at things. And I'm, I created a podcast that I thought focused on that primarily. And I had guests on that were from that angle. So I think what that is, is you need to find out how do you be true to yourself and make that your work and that your product, you know? And maybe Mike is Curlin is still kind of struggling with that a little bit and figuring out what it is that he wants to do and everything. That's that to me is the bottom line. You have to be true to yourself and create what you feel is your actual niche and people can like it, people can not like it, whatever. But if you feel like you're doing something different, I think that's really what's optimal. Be who you are. You're going to know if you're lying to yourself. We've all been in situations where we've been in a room or, or been creating something that we were like, that, 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 that wasn't me. Like I was talking in Twitter speak or something right there to try to gain followers. You know, <laughs> we all know whenever we're being our untrue selves. So, I think that's a big thing that Mike Curlin brought up is really be true to yourself in the, the stuff that you're putting out there. And if that aligns with there being a lot of content and a lot of volume, then okay. But if it doesn't, and maybe whatever you're doing works on a bi-weekly or something process like that, that's okay too. You just need to find out how you can be the most mentally healthy and put out the best product for you, I think. So it resonated with me. It obviously resonated with a lot of people. I know last I looked, you had well over 100 likes on the Twitter machine. So yeah. And, you know, kudos to a guy like you, Matt, because you, I feel are able to put out an incessant amount of content uh, with multiple sports. And very rarely is it something that I I don't gain something from. I mean, it's always something that, um, you know, makes sense and has more to it than just some kind of surface level argument. And it shows that you are like literally engulfed in this stuff 24 seven. So I think few people do it like you and those that can, I, I certainly applaud them because it's, it's not something I can keep up with. So that's yeah, kind of my thoughts. I mean, I, 
Yeah, I, I, I do. I put out, I do. I put out a lot of stuff. And like I said, a, a main thing for me is I'd love the sport. Um, yeah. The, um, the one thing I'll say, especially for anyone who wants to ever get into this is, I mean, I started out the very first job I ever got in this industry. I shouldn't say job. This was unpaid first position I ever got, which again, this is something that you have to work for. And it's such a unique thing where, um, for like anything, um, people will complain about how much like sports stars make. And then some people will look at like, you know, what we do and they'll be like, Oh, well you get to, you get, you know, you get paid to write about fantasy sports. That's not too bad. You know, I, I take issue with that. And anyone Mm -hmm. who has, who puts their heart and soul into this knows how much work you have to put into it. Uh, there, and and this is not comparing it again. We don't want to, you were trying to say, don't compare it. Um, right. There is not many industries. I'm not saying what I do is important. I'm not trying to say that. But as far as how hard I work, um, I don't think uh, in the hours I put in, I don't think a lot of people and there's I'm not singling myself out. There's there's so many countless people um, that, you know, don't have the following or the respect or, or that do that got to where they are without putting in just an immense amount of work. And it never really gets any easier. You have to love what you do. It's like chefs. Um, you know, I mean, there's like Bobby Flay. Sure. He makes a lot of money. Your average chef, they make nothing and they're working, they're working nights and they're not seeing their family. They're working 60 hours a week. Um, right. there's a lot of, a lot of jobs like that. And then like just regular jobs for, you know, 40 hours a week. I mean, we work for this. The only unique thing is you don't get paid for a really, 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 really long time. If you ever do, um, you, you put in a ton of work and then you finally get your opportunity and then you have to work even harder <laughs> because um, you want to stay where you are. You want to, there is pressure to make sure where you're putting out is good, but you do have to try to maintain the passion to do it. Um, NBC sports Edge has been great. I'll just give them a pat on the back. They gave me an opportunity to DJ short um, over there is the one who brought me on. And, you know, we, we do a lot of, we do a lot of, I don't want to call it busy work, but you know, just work that needs to be done that, that, you know, that needs to be done everywhere, but that's every job. <laughs> you know, they mm-hmm. say you love the job you have, and you'll never, you know, you'll never work a day in your life. Everyone works. There's always something you got to do. I mean, at home, you got to do the dishes. You got to make your bed, you know, you, you got to do shit sometimes. Um, but you know, they, uh, they allow me to write my article by the numbers on anything I want. And that's fantastic. Not everyone does that. I've, again, I started at Fantasy Pros, which I never even gotten to where I started. I started at Fantasy Pros on their news desk. And um, I did like maybe like an article a week or two on DFS, which, I, you know, baseball DFS, I didn't necessarily care about at the time. Uh, they just said, oh, we have an opening for this. Sure, I'll do it. Um, and that's you know, kind of the way you should be in anything when you get started, do anything you can. And I've, I've worked for some of the other sites. I've worked at Rotoballer fan tracks. Um, fake teams was great. Uh, Heath caps over there. He's a fantastic. I worked with him early on, but I can get, especially when you are being given a monotonous task of, again, I'm not, this isn't something that I am, um, I am degrading. Uh, it's just a state of mind. If you're given a monotonous task of doing the same thing every week, or maybe being forced into a category, uh, or a specific article, I can get how that can drag you down. Um, and then, you know, like you said earlier, you then try to compare yourself to other people in the industry, people that have made it, try to see what they did. What are they doing that I'm not doing? And then, you know, you have people talking behind the scenes, constantly trying to compare this. I'm like, why, why are they, why are they famous? And I'm, and I'm stuck here. Right. I work twice as hard. A, you don't know how hard they work until uh, you cannot compare yourselves. I mean, things happen when they happen. 
uh, jealousy is not a bad thing. If you're not, you know, jealousy is basically your brain wanting something. Um, you know, just don't, if it's, if it's coming from a positive place where I want that work hard to get it, then that's, that's fine and healthy and natural. Just don't take it a negative place. Like, why don't I have that? That's when the negative thoughts start to creep in again. I know they're going to happen anyway. This isn't me trying to Dr. Phil anyone to death. It's just, I understand <laughs> I've been, you know, I've been there early on. Um, so it's just, it's something that I, I, there's just so many of these things that can hold people back. And then social media, it's its own thing. The best thing you probably could do in your entire life is not be on social media. Um, unfortunately for what we do. And if you're just playing <laughs> fantasy sports, it's the greatest place to find information. And there's so many good people to talk to about. I mean, no, if you really love baseball or football or basketball, the chances are you have way more people to talk about on a daily basis on Twitter than you would in your real life. I mean, if you happen to have a bunch of close friends that really love the same sport you do, I mean, that's fantastic. But I mean, most people I would assume don't have that. Um, again, I'm rambling on here, but yeah, you can't compare yourself to other people because everyone everyone puts in different, um, uh, you know, took a different path to get where they are and you don't know how they, how they did get there. I mean, I know, um, Mike Curlin talked about Justin Mason. The one thing that anyone should ever know about Justin Mason is ask him about how he got where he got. And it, it is nothing about, it is, it is nothing about, um, luck, Really, it's nothing about um, you know him talking about. Not that he doesn't have people he looked up to. I'm sure he does. Um, but, but for me, the thing that stuck out the most is he always talks about how how hard he works, and he he tried to be like always putting out something new, thinking about the next thing to do. And Mark Mike Carlin uh, talks about this too, and it's the same mindset he kind of had. He's always trying to work real hard, look for the next thing to do. So I mean, it takes a lot of hard work, and you know sometimes that becomes tough. And sometimes you have to take a step back. My advice to everyone is someone who I've gone through this as well um, without, you know, breaking down yet is taking a step back. It's okay. You don't have to explain yourself either. Um, if you just need to take a break, take a break. Um, talk to, talk to one of your friends, you know, um, there's people in the industry that'll talk about this. If something's bothering you, um, if, if something's just not working for you, take a step back. It's better to, you know, to take a break and ignite the fire again, than put it out forever. Um, and, and this is just not for, for, for fantasy. This is for anything you gotta, you can't just be, you can't put like all of your effort and never feel recognition and, and carry around these, these negative feelings of resentment and hatred towards people that have made it. And, I know there's plenty of people that do that. And it's, it's a shame. I, I mean, I, I, it's, it's a difficult subject, you know? And I, I mean, I'm glad when people speak their mind about it, like I said, Vlad did it not too long ago. Mike Curlin, again, it's not an article. He, he was going to make it a thread and he, he just turned into a doc that he shared with everyone. And I've talked to him about behind the scenes about this too, but I mean, it's yeah. an important thing, mental health in general. I mean, I know it's a, a big thing here nowadays that people are starting to acknowledge more and more. And it's, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's important. So again, I don't know if I just rambled and haven't left anyone with anything. I'm always, I'm, I'm, I'm always willing to share how I got to where I am and how I do what I do or, you know, but <laughs> if you ever want to talk about it in private, I'm more than happy and willing to, but as far as where I am now is I, uh, 
I, I knew what I wanted to do. Um, I never kind of settled for being pigeon-toed into assignments I didn't want. Uh, I was honest where, where with sites I wanted. If it didn't work out, um, then I, I, you know, I kind of moved on. I, I started a fantasy football site with my friend Addison Hayes. Uh, we did that for a while. We eventually sold it off to another company. And um, then I started a fantasy baseball website, Rota Fanatic. Um, you know, and a lot of this was because I wanted us to do my own things on my own in kind of my own way. And I started doing those player threads. I did them on baseball and football. A lot of people know me for them. And it's because I like doing them. Um, I like breaking down players. I do it anyway. So what I did is I just started breaking down players and just typing away on my phone. I don't do these on the computer anyway, by the way, everybody. I'll do these on my phone, sometimes sitting next to my wife. (laughs) <laughs> like she's watching the bachelor. I'm sitting here writing a, a giant thread on Oscar Mercado. Um, and then I'm using these gifs and animations. Why it was a lot of people don't like them. I mean, I know there's people that, you know, take exception. Like, why is this guy putting this it means nothing. It makes me laugh. And I think it'll make other people laugh too, which is, I think another point here is you, you have to enjoy what you're doing. You have to be proud of what you're putting out there. And in the end, you mentioned uh, Brian, which, you know, again, I'm, I know I'm rambling, so I want to bring you back in here to, to cut myself off. You mentioned how much work I do. Do you really notice how much work people do? Because I'm trying to take the pressure off some people. If you should, I think people should, we should concentrate on quality over quantity, uh, especially, yeah. especially if you're not, I mean, if you're being paid, you got to be doing what you're being asked to do. That's you're being paid for it. <laughs> like, Oh, what's the, you know, if, if you're not being paid, there's absolutely no reason you should be putting yourself through hell. But if you're being paid, you know um, there's a, there's an upside to doing something lame because you're being paid to do it. Uh, but as far as um, as far as people that are, you know, going forward, trying to make it, make a name for themselves, you said you want to be yourself. And in my terms, that means doing stuff that you enjoy that makes you happy. If don't force yourself to do things that the audience wants to listen to uh, you think the audience wants to hear or listen to if you don't enjoy doing it, because that's going to come across in your work. I think that at least some of the stuff I put out uh, is successful because I enjoy, I enjoy writing it. And I think that comes across. Yeah, it will definitely be evident if you're just kind of tweeting stuff to tweet it. Um, another guy like you, I think of is Micah, like Micah notes. Like I see his stuff and can tell that he I mean, you have to love doing it if you're going to tweet as much as he does. You know what I mean? And you can see I, that. Ironically, um, on, on just uh, circling the bases, uh, just a few days mm-hmm. ago, he was on with me and we talked about this kind oh. of thing. And he he actually mentioned how he was being how he was being burned out late in the season. Mm-hmm. Funny enough. But I think the two overarching things here is there's two points. Comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah, and we all should know that, but it's very hard to practice. The other thing is people need to find meaning in their work. And there comes a time where as much as we love baseball or whatever it may be, it just may not do it for you anymore. And you got to do something different. And, you know, that was kind of my shift. I mean, I, I, if I the other night I was listening back, you know, I don't know if this is like smelling your own farts or something, but I was listening to an episode of Roto Wager <laughs> the other night with the great Phil Dusso that I did. And I was just like, man, this is, this is pretty damn good. And I, I do miss doing it sometimes, but I I got into a place where not to plug the music podcast, but with the idea of doing the podcast, what this song means to me, it meant more to me 
spiritually and in all kinds of ways. And I was more motivated by shifting over to doing that work. And that's why I was thankful for you once you and I talked to get back, getting kind of a foothold still in the fantasy baseball realm to be doing this. So you got to find out what works for you. Like what's going to make your life feel more meaningful and how do you get to do the things you want to do and just live happily ever after. So I think you have to examine that. You really have to know yourself to get to that point. So that's my thoughts. No, I, I, I like, I mean, I could talk about I literally, I mean, I, now that we've started, I could talk about this for like six hours, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, not only, I mean, you said just to, to wrap it up just with another small thought is, you know, it's, it's important to, like you said, stay true to yourself. You got to have meaning in what you're doing. That being said, there are structure. I mean, this isn't, I mean, if you want to take this seriously, if you're doing it for fun, there should be no pressure at all. <laughs> you're doing it for fun. If you do not care, who cares? If this is something in, in anything in life that you want to be taken seriously, you you need to take it seriously as well. And that doesn't mean you have to burn yourself out, but it doesn't mean structure. Like we uh, have a podcast. We want this to be out every Wednesday. I had something to do earlier. We scheduled the time and we're doing it later in the day now. Um if we hated doing it, we wouldn't do the show, but we still make it a point to do it every Wednesday because we want our audience to know that every Wednesday an episode is going to come out. And that's an important part of having a show, um, just like anything else. If if you commit to doing something, you have to do it. I think that the important thing is just being realistic with your time. Um, and that, I think, comes down to uh, the passion you were talking about and, and having uh, passion in what you're doing and, and you know, respect the work you are doing and you have to have a purpose because think about it this way, never produce a piece of content that you wouldn't want to solely use as, you know, in this, again, this isn't, you know, someone working at a news desk <laughs> or a side thing, but if you're producing a, an episode of a podcast, if you're, if you're producing an article, never do a single assignment ever. If you were not be comfortable using that as your sole um, piece of content to show someone in order to get a job in the thing you are doing. I know some are better than others and some you're going to put more effort into than others. But um, if you're just going through the motions with something, you probably want to try to reevaluate at any time. If you're like, ah, oh, I hate this step back and wonder why think why you're doing it. And you, you know, you could be doing it for a reason. Like, all right, I'm doing this because I wanted, I committed to doing this series and I want to see it through. Um, you know, maybe some of your articles in a series are better than others, but you know, you, you made a promise to yourself. That's a purpose. Um, you know, if you, you think, you know, you're, you're doing something because, uh, you, it's part of a larger research project. There's a purpose. Um, you know, me and you were doing the show, which we are, you know, really wanted to do. We're doing it on Wednesday because we want to have a show every Wednesday because we, you know, there's a purpose. Right. Yeah. And last week, uh, you know, you mentioned the struggle this week, last week, I thought I was getting Delta varianted or something like that, but, uh, turns out I was just, uh, kind of sick. So we made some adjustments there as well. So yeah, when you, when there's something that you love, uh, you get it done. That's just kind of how it goes. So. Yeah. And if, yeah, and if, and if you. you ever, if you ever find yourself unable to answer that question, like what is the purpose of what I'm doing? I'm not having fun. Um, this is ruining my life, whatever it is, big or small, um, you know, depending on how dramatic you want to be about it on how you're truly feeling, which again, no judge ever, you know, you know how you feel. If you cannot think of a reason why you're doing it, then you should stop doing it. Um, yeah. That is the main thing, which is again, not to continue to, to mention Curlin, but he, he gave his thoughts on how, you know, he was always thinking of wanting to do the next thing, the next thing, like, what is your purpose? 
if it's just so people notice you, I, that, I don't think that's a good enough reason because people notice good work. They, I don't think they notice mass amounts of work. Like you said, Micah, yeah. he puts out those notes every day. I once did one of my player threads for 65 days in a row, which <laughs> I did because I, um, you know, I just, I started doing them before the pandemic and then it's just like, all right, well, I got nothing else to do. So I just started doing once a day and I enjoyed doing them. Um, and, uh, I didn't do that this year because <laughs> I had some more to do and that was, that was impossible, but, um, I put those out and Micah puts out his notes because they're good. I mean, not to pat myself on the back. I'll just talk about Micah. Um, he does a good job with them. So, um, yeah. you know, I mean, it's something that, you know, people notice cause it's good, but if you're just going to do something every day and it sucks, <laughs> then it doesn't matter. So you should be proud of every single thing you put out there. So again, long story short, if you are doing a piece of content and you're not happy with presenting that as your resume to get a position in what you want to do, then you should probably reevaluate what you're doing. I co-signed that. I'm with you all the way. (laughs) All right. Well, I probably talked about 45 minutes longer than I wanted to about that. Again, I don't even know the, the I told here. you it was a big conversation. I told you it was a bigger conversation. Yeah, I, I really liked uh, the direction we went with that. That was good. Yeah, I mean, we probably missed some some nuanced things that, uh, you know, I mean, like I said, we said Mike and Vlad had talked about it. We probably missed some overarching themes, things that they felt more, you know, strongly about that maybe we didn't hit on an exact thing. Mm-hmm. But it's all at how people feel individually. So again, if anyone wants to ever talk to me, I, I try to help people in at least my industry as much as I can. I sometimes put out these tweets on Fridays, allowing people to send me their work and I will read it. I will listen to your podcast and I will send you private feedback and share your work. What I tell some of these people, again, I've shared some work and I've gotten some people jobs at other sites, which is pretty cool. I'm not going to name anybody. Nice. Um, but uh, there are some people where I'll, I'll reach out to them and I'll be like, all right, well, I think that this needs a lot of work and I'll tell them why privately. Do you want me to share this? Um, because I would make these choices first. Cause this is going to be, you know um, you know, I mean, there's people with like hundred thousand followers. There's people with 30,000, 15,000. I have like 9,000, whatever it's, it's, it's not a ton, but it's like a decent amount. And a lot of people in the industry follow me. So I offer to share work cause I think it'll help some people. Um, and I'll just give them the advice of, all right, um, this is going to be like your big introduction. Is that this, is this the first impression you want to give? And I'll give them my opinion. If they say yes, then sure. I'll, um, I'll share it. <laughs> uh, but sometimes not the, the best thing, but anyway, if, um, for anyone listening, whoever wants to get in, I'm, I'm an, op- you know, I'm always open to hear from you. You can reach out to me. Um, and if anyone in, else in the industry is just getting started, um, you know, reach out to me too. If you ever need help, you need advice, you, you maybe just want some feedback on work you're doing. Um, maybe an idea, if you want to learn something, reach out to me. Um, I may not be an expert, but maybe I have an experience I could share with you, or I can point you in the direction of someone that maybe you can do it better than I can. Um, so that is all I have to say, which is a lot. Uh, but Brian, what are your closing, your closing arguments for, uh, for this whole topic? Closing arguments. Uh, yeah, like I said, comparison is the thief of joy. I do it to myself still. We're not perfect humans. So, you know, it, it's whether it's been in jobs or just, you know, in a realm like this or something like that. I made a decision a long time ago that I, I saw what my, I don't even want to use the word niche because it sounds like I'm selling something, but I, I saw what my kind of difference was with a lot of the fantasy baseball community. And it's, you know, I think what I did on the road to wager podcast, if you want to go check that out. And um, as far as uh, the other point, like I said, you got to find meaning in your work here, you know, if something's bullshit, 
it's good. You're going to know that it is, it's going to feel that way to you. So I would just say be authentic at all times. And, uh, that's what I got judge. That's uh, your honor. That's what I've got. Those <laughs> are right, closing uh, arguments. That's, uh, the, that's the last one. I have so many more thoughts that I I've spun in my head. I'm not going to give them because I've already rambled on Marn enough. If anyone wants to talk about more, you can reach out to me at uh, Matt Williams on Twitter. M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-A-M-S. Brian, where can they chase you down? I am at Brian J. Seymour, S-E-Y-M-O-U-R. And I, I did mention the podcast earlier, what this song means to me. Um, if you happen to get a chance to check out today's episode, I think it is one of the, I think it is objectively the most intriguing one we have released yet. I would give it a listen if I were you. Check it out. We're available on all podcast platforms. You can follow us on Twitter at means to me pod as well. And if you're ever interested in uh, being on that podcast and, you know, we talked about mental health right here today. Um, if there's something that you want to talk about and a story that you have to tell that maybe conjures up a certain song for you that means something to you in your life, hit us up at anywhere, um, you know, on Twitter, wherever on the website and let us know. And we would love to have you on. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Turn 2 podcast. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. And uh, yeah, if you have any questions about the stolen base stuff um, or, or chasing down categories of any time, uh, feel free to, to reach out to me or Brian. Uh, he, he'll be great with uh, trying to you know trigger some strategy going down the stretch here. So um, we'll be back next week. See everybody. My, oh, my. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play fantasy. I know I turn two in a day, but the laces ain't hot in my veins. I can turn two in every way, so I turn to you two today and smash play. I'm prepared to listen. The X flipping whip got me looking way past the pitches. Statistics all that I know, and I know that who is on first, he can say I'm ready to go. <laughs> I ain't trying to steal second or third. Cause I wanna win first How am I to put all of these numbers to words I know the terms from A to Z It's like a gift and a curse I know the difference between a splitter and a curve But if I can't put it into points Man, then what's it worth? I need the truth I need knowledge Found this podcast with all of it But what they call it? Turn two Turn two, Turn two. What it do? Win leaps Catch out Peace